How can even a small business put carbon reduction and the kindness economy at the heart of its success? It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. I hope you are enjoying our new focus. If you've not yet heard about that, we are, as always, here to share how other retailers and brands are growing their stores. But we're also now putting a big, big emphasis on how we can all help the world whilst doing that, mainly in terms of slowing global warming. But we're also interested in how how we run our businesses and market to our customers can lead to other great things too. I, probably like you, am on a journey to try and work out what we should be doing and how I do not have by any means all the answers yet, but we're going to find them together. Um, So do expect more clarity over the coming months and lots of inspiring interviews too. If you flick back to episode 359, you'll find the full ins and outs of what we're up to. But stick here for now, because in today's episode, we've got a brilliant example of how you can build carbon reduction and the kindness economy into even the smallest of businesses. My guest also shares some great examples of how they shout about what they're doing and use that to increase their overall sales. An inspiring chat coming up. Before we get to that though, please do check out our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS marketing platform that helps you send messages like an e-commerce expert, even if you're just getting started. Create your free account at klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Did you know that over 700,000 active stores are now using Wix e-commerce? From fresh startups right through to D2C seven-figure superstar brands like Ruby Love and Davinia Water. Recent success story, House of Supplies, built their e-commerce store on Wix in just two days. And just seven days after that had hit online sales of over $300,000 with just three products on sale. Fancy a bit of that? Well, Wix is clearly a platform that can enable your growth and success. Go to wix.com slash e-commerce slash website today to join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. And now to introduce today's special guest. Hepsi Godin is co-founder of Martha and Hepsi, a quirky illustrated homeware, gifts and stationery seller that she founded with her sister way back in 2011. Ten years on, they now do 300 orders per month. Hello, Hepsi. Hi. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much, A, for applying to be on and B, booking in and being here because what you guys are up to is really cool and I'm looking forward to sharing it with the audience. Before we get into that, though, all that way back in, what, 2011, how did you end up getting into e-commerce? Basically, we were both um, a bit disillusioned in our jobs. Um, I did a fashion degree in business studies and ended up in marketing. Um, And Martha did a textile degree and ended up in merchandising. And it was just, we were like on the rat run, doing, working, um, being a bit disillusioned with our jobs, kind of like wanting to do something different, 
I was on maternity leave. So we basically did it as a five to nine, almost like a therapy compared to our like normal jobs because we could do what we wanted to do. So but Martha lives, well, she did live in London, but she now lives in Sheffield and I live in Devon. So technology was a huge part of us starting. We we couldn't do it without technology. Um, and e-commerce was our launch platform, basically. We, we couldn't have started without it. Because back in 2011, just when people were starting to actually do rather than talk about remote working and remote teams. Oh, yeah. Honestly, like we've been doing it for a decade and the looks and comments that we've had over the past decade of like, you live in Devon and she lives in Sheffield, yet you run your own business. I'm like, well, yeah, like loads of big businesses do it. They like are based in the UK and have manufacturing in the Far East or whatever. So why can't I run a little business with my sister who lives like at the other end of the country. So, and now it's normal. So, <laughs> yes, over the last couple of years, it's normal. So we all do now, whether we yeah. want to or not. Um, although I, I'm, I, that made it sound like I don't want to. I love remote working. Um, anyway, we could go off on that one because of that remote setup. E-commerce was obviously going to be the way to go, not a, your own boutique or a physical store. No. It would have been quite hard to man it, wouldn't it? If you were uh, well, and also we would have um, doubled any outgoings. So, like, because originally we were like, right, okay, we want to support our local economies. Um, we'll go to local trade shows. So we went to Harrogate, and we went to one in Exeter. And basically, yeah, we would have duplicated our outgoings before we'd even started. And actually, we didn't have masses in the bank to be able to sort of like start all of that. So I would come home from work and build our like little Mr. Site website and put our stuff on Etsy and everything like that. And it was it was a window, a shop window for us to be able to say hello. Um that's the why we did it. We we couldn't have started the business otherwise. Well we could have, but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have given us enough exposure. We would have been kind of quite parochial, is that the word? And like stuck to like Devon and Sheffield. And how long was it before you went full time? Well, I was made redundant in, I think, 2013. So uh, two two years. years. Yeah. Mm. Um, And to be honest, it was the best thing that ever happened. (laughs) It's horrific going through redundancy because you're all a bit like, oh, but um, and then Martha was made redundant as well, like within six months of each other so if we hadn't have had that kind of kick I think we could have kind of like continued just to play with it Mm -hmm. and fought with like which was more important the the job that is bringing the money in or the thing that's actually our passion so yeah full-time but saying full-time we've still kind of like as with most female founders kind of children involved my husband decided to retrain from a mental health nurse to a teacher so like it's never like had our full full attention there's always kind of slight distractions (laughs) yeah because there's the time distractions and there's the brain distractions and yeah yeah impossible or not impossible just just life isn't it yeah um, so, Hepsi, you mentioned, you know, initially 
it was it was your own website and it was um, Etsy. What platforms are you selling on now? We're still on Etsy. Um, our um, our website is Shopify, based on Shopify. Then we're on Not on the High Street, um, Jewels. That's the four main um, kind of platforms. Then we do wholesale on Fair. And we have like a little shop. Well, we don't have a shop. It's a it's a cooperative in um, Sheffield, which is kind of like our shop window. It's not massive, but it's we've got part of it. And Martha works there um, a few days a month as well. Oh, excellent. And you mentioned FAIR, and I think you're the first person on the podcast who we've spoken to about FAIR, who I got to interview on a different podcast and think is an awesome business. So could you just tell us a quick quick soundbite on what, what FAIR is and why you're using it? FAIR is basically a wholesale platform where we always wanted to wholesale um, certain products that we can make money and uh, retailers can make money on. Um, but I've always found it quite difficult to kind of get out out there and for the retailers to be able to process their orders and fair as a website um we basically put all the products that we want to um wholesale on it and retailers can find us order they have 60 days to pay yep they like we get paid 30 days and it's a very simple process whereas before We've done trade shows, which is an awful lot of money and an awful lot of time. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get orders. And then we've tried to do the sales thing where we sort of like a certain amount of time a month is allocated to us actually contacting retailers. And to be quite honest, we're not brilliant at doing that. So that didn't work. Jack of many trades, but not very good at that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so FAIR as a platform, it's incredibly sleek. You just upload whatever you want to do. You basically recreate a wholesale website for your brand. And it it just generates the orders. And it's global as well. So you're being seen by international stockists, whereas... Before, like if international stockists went to somewhere like Top Draw, we'd be lucky. Um, like it just, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's it's made our wholesale world a lot easier. Looking at it and having had an explore of it myself, I struggle to see why anyone running a small boutique would ever go to Top Draw or Autumn Fair etc again to find to source products and i think as they start taking on that online product sourcing it's only going to grow and bigger and bigger companies are going to be using it i think, I think yeah. it's a really exciting development in the marketplace so thank you for mentioning it and for explaining <laughs> it so well as well um, oh and anyone who's interested in trying to google it right now it is f a i r e so slightly odd spelling f a i r e um Right. So oh, where in the world are you and where are you selling to? You to? I am based in North Devon in the UK and Martha is based in Sheffield um, and we sell all over the, the world. So. Nice and straightforward. And the product that you're selling, tell us a bit about the product. Okay, so we um, design colourful homeware, stationery and gifts, which is all made in the UK. Ever since we started, it was everything had to be made in the UK from 
I'd watched a Mary Porthouse documentary on kinky knickers where she had she was wanting to get the industry back up and running in like the lace industry in Nottingham um, and looking back at that industry that Britain has lost. Um, and I also worked in a jewellery company where all the manufacturing was done in the Far East. And I was aware that if we were a small business, that lead times of three months, four months, five months, and the cost of getting our product from the Far East to the UK wasn't going to be, it wouldn't work for us, basically. We didn't have the money to put thousands of units on the water. And we also didn't know whether that we could sell thousands of units. So we um, made the decision to source all UK suppliers. I think we may well come back to that later, because okay. that's... Um... It's a big old decision and has lots of ramifications and lots of plus points too. But we'll come come back to that shortly. Um, the we've done the platform that you sell on. So the team is it is it still you and your sister doing everything? How do you divide the roles and how is it working with your sister? Okay, uh, so Martha and I are the main people in the business. Martha is the main illustrator so that we can have continuity of our designs. We kind of work on together on product development and what we want to do, and then she illustrates and we put together the um, colorways and everything like that. With regards to kind of like other processes in the business we have got a warehouse which is based in North Devon so all our product goes into the warehouse and it's sort of like it's, we have a pick and pack thing with regard then there's emails or the photography Martha does most of the photography I do the emails I manage the website yeah, it's kind of like we do do everything. Again, we made the decision that if we, because it was such a small business, if we employed someone because of the flux of sales, sometimes we would end up paying an employee more than we would be able to take from the business. And it just wasn't going to work with that. So we are having the warehouse means that we can scale really quickly as well because they've got a workforce. So when we worked with John Lewis, they were like, there, ready, bam. And they could deal with like all the um, crazy requests that come from a big retailer. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, so I work, I've got a home office that can be, I can do everything that I need to do from home most of the time. And then I can go to the warehouse. Whereas before we had the warehouse, there was just stock everywhere and it was a bit of a mess. And so that we can deal with that. And then um, Martha has a studio in Sheffield. Uh, so she she goes to sort of like work there, predominantly split between between us two. And then and then we have a warehouse and then we kind of um, we're on lots of different forums so that we can kind of get all the information. But we kind of like muddle through it ourselves, really. I think that that's kind of what every business does to some extent. And it's it's the joy of the e-commerce space, I think, enabling you to take that bootstrapping route where you can remove the things that tie you down week yeah. in, week out, like full-time staff and like the pick, pack and dispatch to put your time on the higher value items. And you know, and then when tools like Fair, as we mentioned, come along and other marketplaces like Etsy, you can have that that showcase to the wider world without having to man a stand for a week 
at a gift fair or at a trade fair. So I think it, you know, like you said, you couldn't have done the business if it wasn't e-commerce. I think it being e-commerce has enabled you to become the business you are. I suppose. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think there are um, going forward as the business develops. I think kind of like you get a bit attached to it. And I have over the past sort of like twelve months quite a big mindset shift. And there are elements that I'm now quite happy to sort of <laughs> give to someone else if we can like afford it or we've just oh, we've streamlined systems as well whereas before we were like keying orders and actually that's not very good that's not a good time for us to do that we should so now we've got a system where it just automatically feeds into the warehouse so we're not wasting our time and I suppose it's about you can kind of become a bit consumed with all of the the business and you have to kind of have a bit of a holistic view and go, actually, should you be doing that? No. Can you sort of like either streamline it or give it to someone that it doesn't impact you as a kind of cash flow and profit, but enables you to be able to do what you're better at for longer and make more of an impact? Yeah, I've always found myself that if I'm becoming a bit run down in a business, I end up feeling really attached to the tasks that I know are doing something. Yeah. So, you know, so getting a bit exhausted, I'm re-keying an order. I know this needs to be done. Yeah. This is something good to be done. I can't possibly outsource it because it's giving me a feeling of self-worth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Whereas the solution to the underlying problem of being worn out and doing all the wrong things or the rest of it is actually to go, right, yeah, I'm getting a little bit of self-worth every time I re-key an order. But if I can automate that, I get two hours a week back yeah. that I can either spend sitting on the sofa going for a walk or something or doing something that grows the business so then everything becomes better. But it, it's a weird kind of contradiction that often the things you should be doing the least are the ones like a lot of businesses hold on to the pick, pack and dispatch because it feels like very productive work, even though it's probably the last thing you should be doing as the owner. Yeah, like standing in a line in the post office isn't isn't good for you. And actually, I have to like tell myself, I switch my laptop off, I go downstairs, I'll either listen to a podcast, read a book, and actually reading a book, a, a business book or a, a mindset book or a, a strategy book is far better than me sitting at my laptop staring at screens going why where's the orders what like <laughs> what am I doing like yeah. it, you, the endless refresh yeah yeah totally no how many people are on the website <laughs> yeah we've all been there um so I said we'd come back to the fact the majority or all your products are manufactured in the UK which as you explained was kind of was originally because you could do short run slow lead times I gave you the flexibility I believe now you know based on your marvelous our values page which huge kudos for that I am regular listeners of the podcast when I regularly rant about the lack of an about us page on our website I'm also, as of our new focus on sustainability, et cetera, I am now going to be ranting about the lack of a page that explains your approach to sustainability, values, net zero, whatever you want to call it, name TBC. And yours, um, Hepsi, is one of the best I've seen. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> but but my, po my point was, we were talking about the, ma the manufacturers and using the UK manufacturers. Now that's become a key part of your values yeah. piece, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not only was it kind of like an economic decision with regards to short runs and being able to get um, product in on time. It's also 
you can the quality UK manufacturing is by far better than um, out other countries. When you work with um, companies or manufacturers in your country or in the UK, when they say that they're going to be printing on FSE um, certified paper that they are uh, using vegetable links so that they how they get rid of their waste is done in a certain way, pretty much can trust that that's going to happen. I was having a bit of a imposter syndrome um, today and yesterday, actually, about the whole like our values and things. And I was thinking, oh, am I greenwashing stuff? But actually, I kind of like had a look back and I was like, actually, no, we do as much as we can do for a micro business. And there's always a bit of a, um, a balancing act between like how much something costs versus what we can do as a business for the like environment and then and then there used to be a whole thing about um like just sending things out in reused uh mm-hmm. cardboard was like oh no you can't do that for a brand but well actually if you justify why you're doing it and you're reusing something it's absolutely fine when i were packaging my uh, mugs i reuse all of our packaging because it's just it's just packaging. It's just protecting the stuff, the the mug. It's in a nice box. It's in a cardboard box with a nice branded sticker. The stuff inside it is just making sure that the the mug's safe. And if it is, if people receive it with um, bubble wrap, it's because it's been sent to us. But bubble wrap, we never buy bubble wrap and like all our cards are in a compostable um, cello bag, so that can be done. Everything the the whole environment and the kindness economy is really important to us. You made so many good points during that bit. I'm trying to decide which which bit to to go into first of all. Um, I think for me, it was, you know, you said you feel like you've been greenwashing, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that, but at least, you know, A, you're not from what I've seen of what you're doing, you're certainly not greenwashing. But also I think a lot of businesses are equally guilty of green hushing, which is they're doing similar things to you, but they're just not bothering to tell anyone about it. And like you said about the packaging, if you've explained, if people know your values are lowering waste, reusing rather than going to the point of recycling and, and all of this, then they know that their parcel might be in slightly weird cardboard, or it might be a reused jiffy bag, or it might be whatever it is, but that's because that's the right thing to do. And you made it clear that that's why you're doing it. So I think it's it's an example of why it's so key to tell your customers about it. And you, you mentioned to me before we started recording that you'd just been recording a, a video for social media about how often someone can reuse your gift wrap, yeah. which I thought was, was brilliant because actually it's highlighting a key value and the quality of the product, but it's actually saying, keep reusing it, reuse it, reuse it. What led you to create that video? So gift wrap for us is a really um, important product. Kind of, we loved as kids, like, go like seeing presents wrapped in um, wrapping paper and like, it just kind of like creates uh, an energy of mystery and excitement and anticipation. So like gift wrap from that point of view was really important for us to um create and then we again wanted to do something about paying it forward so in 2018 we created our gift wrap that gives campaign where we donate 10 percent of our profits to charity from the sales of our gift wrap so gift wrap kind of like is becoming a real kind of beast in itself so we've got the why we wanted to do it then we've got the the 
so paying it forward, it had to be recycl- uh, recyclable. And then it's on really high quality paper. And I was just thinking about, again, the environment and stuff and thinking, well, actually, I can reuse this loads. Like there's people saying, oh, you you can get a piece of uh, wrapping paper and you can recycle it because it's not got plastic in it and and it can just go straight in the in the recycling well yeah if you take out off all of the like sellotape that's fine so I'd just done a video on how to wrap without using sticky tape so it can go into the recycling without you having to think and then I was like wow actually I we can reuse this a lot and I've always like tried to reuse gift wrap for from my many birthdays and Christmases, just probably because I'm a bit stingy. Um, but <laughs> with our, our gift wrap, I just noticed how the quality, I could fold it, fold it, fold it and fold it, and it wouldn't tear. And if it, even when it's scrunched up, if you put a low iron on it, it will like flatten out and look great. And I just thought people should reuse it. It's, it's giving a gift which is great and if you've bought our gift wrap you've also donated to charity and then if you spread the word that you can reuse it it's going to be really good for the environment so it's kind of like loads of ticks really it makes me think of of that joke i know we have it in the uk i don't know if we have overseas so listeners i hope you have this in your country as well where there's there's always someone you know who has the joke that every year they give x person the same card, card yeah or or the same fiver goes backwards and forwards and it's no longer legal tender, but it's been going backwards and forwards for 20 years or or something like that. And I can I can see people, you know, in kind of five years time going, oh, the sprouts wrapping papers back out again. How many years is this? You know, and almost making little marks. How many we've managed to get seven years out of this yeah. one. Yeah, it's, yeah. But I think it, you know, it makes it a bit fun, doesn't it? And it's there's so much which which we can encourage customers to do with our products which are fun and which also are the right thing to do. Yeah, and um, it, well, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Like going to you, nobody bats an eyelid when you go to a charity shop and buy a secondhand piece of clothing. So actually, paper's tough. It's quite robust. And if it's quality paper like ours, it can be reused. Like don't just let it sort of like be used for one magical moment. Make it be used for lots because it can be. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V iyo.com slash masterplan. Are you building a new site, replatforming? Are you frustrated with your existing tech stack? Then you need to take a look at Wix e-commerce. They have over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide, each of whom can manage it all from a single dashboard. The Wix suite of features enables you to do so much without increasing your workload, whilst keeping the customer experience spot on so that those conversions just go up. Find out more today at wix.com slash e-commerce slash website and join over 700,000 active stores using Wix's advanced online storefront features. That's wix.com slash e-commerce slash website.
It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, um, Hepsi, I love this section, as you know, because you're one of our listeners. But I do love this section because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So, Hepsi, are you ready for the top tips? Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, the people who always seem to be under the most pressure when we go into this are those who regularly listen to the podcast. They're always the most nervous. Um, okay, Hepsi, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Okay, the last book that I just read, which was Contagious by Jonah Berger. Um, apologies if I've mispronounced the uh, his name. Amazing, really interesting about how products go viral and how you create interest in your in your products. And it's not all about money. And it totally fueled the fire in my belly. It's really easy to read. I'm thinking quite possibly that's why we ended up, you, you created the video of the yeah, yeah, wrapping yeah, paper. Yeah, <laughs> like, one of those. Ah, <laughs> it's all coming together in my head right now. Um, okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Email. I think personally, it probably doesn't get the press it deserves in our little business. However, whenever I do like our KPIs on at, at the end of the month, it's like always at like 30% of revenue. Um, and we, we use Clavio as a, um, and the automations and stuff like a brilliant, like we just, and then we do a campaign once or twice a week, depending on time of year, but yeah, definitely email. And it just means that our whole tone of voice is, is going directly to our customer who has signed up to us so we know that they are interested in us rather than kind of like chucking it out on well, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram to just just in case someone's going to find us. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm always up for a tip on email. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Okay, there's two things that... Um, kind of that kind of go hand in hand so we use asana as a kind of project-based uh, software so we both know what we're doing in a way that that's probably been influenced by um focusing on one thing so running a business you can be a jack of all trades and you can be incredibly distracted by from anything and actually you need to focus on a task so us using asana we go onto it we know what we're doing and then we kind of like get rid of close our phone down close the emails down and focus on that task that we're doing so that we know that we're doing it and then move on yeah, I'm a big fan of Asana too. Uh, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? To go niche, to stay in your niche. So we as a business, I think, are too broad and we will be like narrowing ourselves down. And it's quite a, a common thing to kind of just keep adding, 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 adding when actually you need to kind of look at it from above and go, actually, that's massive. You can't, you can't survive like that um so yeah so to be niche and focus on what you do and do it really well there's been an awesome example of that recently here in the uk um there's a company called bravissimo 
who do bras for the larger busted lady, which I think I'm allowed to say an Apple podcast won't have a go at me. And they expanded into a whole range of clothing. And this year they've cut out all the clothing and gone just back to the bras because they're refocusing on yeah. their piece. And if anyone from Bravissimo is listening, I would love you to come on the podcast and talk about it. So, um, Hepsi, thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to, to tie that in. But but yeah, it's it's we have to test things, but then we have to remember to bring ourselves back into yeah. focus and another thing is to look at the data as well like we because we're a creative business we've been led by our hearts quite a lot and in doing so that means that our kind of like um product offering has got big and actually if you're you can bear to look at the data it can tell you quite a lot of things and and I always thought oh I'm a creative person I don't want to look at spreadsheets and data and it makes me feel (laughs) a bit sick but actually I've learned to embrace data and in doing that it's kind of fueled the creativity so that it's um what we're creating is right rather than just our kind of heart or gut feel I mean we still obviously have a, a gut feel for stuff but we can we know what we're doing is correct rather than going, oh, yeah, we sold like X amount of those like a year ago. And then you have a look and it's like, oh, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? The, br- the brain lies. Yeah, the yeah. memory lies. Um, well, it, Hepsi, it's been fascinating chatting to you about your business. Uh, before we say goodbye, could you let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social, please? Yeah, you can find us, if you're in the UK, you can find us on our website, which is MarthaAndHepsy.com. Um, international customers can find us on Etsy at Martha and Tepsy. All social media, we are Martha and Hepsy, the word. And if people would like to sign up to our email, you will receive 10% off your first order. Oh, excellent. Not even a code to remember there, people. Just go and sign up to their emails. Hepsi, thank you so much, as I say, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. So thank you so much for for sharing so much of how you're going about building your business. Thank you for having me. So a whole load of, I think, inspiration there around some of the many things you can do to embrace both the path to net zero and uh, the kindness economy side of things. And the way in which Martha and Hepsi have gone about doing it just with their gift wrap product, you know, they've got, they're having it manufactured in the UK, which keeps the carbon footprint low. They are creating a product that can be reused and they're shouting about that on social media and using it to grow the virality of the product and to sell more. Uh, They made it perfectly recyclable, so there's no foil and that kind of stuff on it. And then they've also added kind of the kindness economy, the goodwill element where 10% of the profits get given to charity. They obviously have the the bigger piece on the business of where they're doing everything UK manufacturing and they've got other elements that they're playing at. But they started essentially with one big kind of hero line and found a way to do that. And then they're going to be rolling it out across, across other areas of the business. You can start at one point and shout about it and make an impact before you need to think you have to do everything. You know, the point she was making around it's easier to manufacture with manufacturers in your own country because there's so many fewer checks you have to do. There's there's easier trust. And I think that's the same in any home territory because you can get that anywhere in the world, that level of product quality, et cetera. But the due diligence is so much more onerous. So as a small business, it makes a lot of sense to keep it 
super simple and super easy by doing it your own business in your own country. But of course, that reduces the carbon impact of products being shipped all over the place. Plus, some really some really great tips there on what to outsource and what to insource what to do yourself and how to how to deal with it all. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed that chat with um, Hepsi and we may well get them back again next year to see where they've gone next. I know they've got some big plans in this space. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many, many things I share to help you improve your business. It's nearly the end of the year, which means it's nearly time for our annual January growth series. Yes, yet again, we are going to be releasing two episodes a week for you throughout January, each one focused on a different way you can grow your sales in 2022. Several of them are already recorded and they are sounding awesome. You really do need to tune in for these. Now, of course, it's also going to include our famous expert episodes, the two mashup episodes where I get the great and the good from the industry to share their key lessons from 2021 and their top tip for 2022. So let us help you plot your path to greatness and put us in your diary for both Mondays and Thursdays throughout January. If you want reminders from us, then just make sure you're subscribed to the e-commerce master plan podcast in your podcast player of choice and visit ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast to sign up to our email marketing. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please, please ask them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.